in the curriculum, it is aku, right, mm. to teach and to learn. I think that is something that I don't know how it is now. You know, it's been a while since I've been out of high school, but that was always something that I found, um, you know, it resonated with me, you know, tua kanatena. That's always been how I came into, um, you know, understanding my relationships with people. You're listening to the NZPE TeacherCast, a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing health and physical education teachers. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform by New Zealand PE teachers for New Zealand PE teachers and their students. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. As a teacher, every six or seven years you come across a student who looks different, a student who you know is going to make a difference in this world. Essentially the ideal student we all hope turns up in our class list at the start of each year. Today's guest is one of those students. And I remember watching Troy grow and develop throughout year 13 and thinking to myself, um, I'd love to sit down with this kid and find out what makes him tick because he was pretty exceptional. He doesn't know that I was going to sell this stuff, by the way. <laughs> so at that point in time, I didn't have um, a real reason or the platform to do it, but I can now. So Troy, um, welcome to the podcast. Cool, thanks for having me. So tell us, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, a um, bit about your educational background with a particular focus on what you're involved with now. Right, so I am a... Cook Island Māori student and New Zealand Māori student, um, but growing up, I think I didn't really understand the difference between the two, or and also being in a you know well, well we talk about New Zealand European settings and in terms of multicultural uh, New Zealand. Um, I went to so I started off my education in Puridor, so quite um, you know a lower decile school, and then moved into Karori where I went to a higher decile school. Um, and then into Wellington High and did all of my high schooling there. Um, it was there that I just knew PE was going to be for me. I mean, it always had an interest in physical activity, but then it's just seeing the theory side of things um, that really kind of drew me in and seeing that there was more than just the physical activity side of it. Um, so going into now where I am, physical activity was what drove me through um, and kind of in my year off, I had a year off before I went into university just to kind of figure out exactly what I wanted to do um, and understanding that, you know, something that's as enjoyable to me in physical activity could actually enhance um, health parameters and all that sort of stuff. So that's where I am now with the particular focus on non-communicable diseases um, and focusing specifically on Māori and Pacific um, populations. Yeah, so that's where I'm at now, and that's probably where I will be for a very long time. Uh, you, you mentioned something that was really interesting. Um, you didn't know, or you weren't aware of the difference between Cook Island Māori and New Zealand Māori, mm-hmm. and that that's that's something that's really interesting to me because um, I'm part Tongan and part Nguyen, but mm-hmm. I know nothing about 
that side of my family and I have very little contact with that side of my family. Um, and I'm a little bit curious, but mm-hmm. but I still haven't done anything about that yet. So what kind of um, drove you to find out a little bit more about that side of your heritage? Um, well, I grew up, so my mum is, she's strong, she grew up in the Cook Islands and my dad he started finding a little bit more about himself as a New Zealand Maori uh, citizen, and just finding a little bit about more, a little bit more about his whakapapa and also um, just hearing stories about my mum. So I think the curiosity came from when we got asked questions about who we are and where we're from, and just saying the place was, you know, that's all I'd say, and that was about it. But then there were actually people who started questioning it and saying, "Oh yeah, so what's it like growing up there, or what's it like to be?" from there and I think that's something that I had never thought about it was always a superficial thing in mm-hmm. terms of ethnicity um, and that's just what you are it's a box that you tick um, so I think what drove me to uh, find out a bit more about that is that I had no idea and I think that's just the way that I am is just kind of a mind I'm very curious about things and just yeah a mindful inquiry I guess and mm-hmm. that's been me ever since and I think as I'm growing I know that it's a process and I know that I'm not going to know everything like now and what I do know now will change as I go through more experiences Um, but that's you know that's the awesome thing about working with Pacific people and working with Māori people is that I learn more from them um, about how I can go about you know because uh, going about finding about more about my identity because you know they've all been through it. Yep. And they can give me stuff, yeah. And you're you're on a bit of a you got a big trip planned later on today. Where, where, where I you do. Headed? I'm flying out uh, back to Raro to go see my mum and my sister. They've been living over there uh, since I was about twelve now. So that's been a yearly trip, but it's been a while since I've been back. Cause it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so your your PhD study is your PhD study masters masters yeah. your master's study has been about looking into the the negative health statistics for Māori <laughs> and Pacifica peoples. What's the most worrying trend that you're observing through some of the data that right. you're, you're getting? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is that, so firstly we do know that uh, from the statistics that there is that, you know, the negative side of things and that they are overrepresented in the negative health statistics. But I think when I started doing more research with them, it's that it's kind of a lack of awareness for health. Um, so it makes you question, you know, what is health to... Māori or what is health to Pacific people um, because in terms of how they are functioning as society they feel that they're healthy um, but I think so that's there's that question around that but then there's also there's a lack of awareness for how to go about it and then from there it's uh, to go about making it better and then that lack of education on how to implement it I know I was doing falls research at the start of this year and they all knew that exercise was really, really good for you. But where there was a lack in um, any understanding of anything was in how to implement or how to go about um, asking for help. I don't know if it's a pride thing or a uh, economic thing, um, socioeconomic barrier. But that's always something where they have the mindset to do it, but they just don't know how to go about it. And usually one of the big things in terms of a barrier for physical activity is seen as cost. And I think that comes, you know, it's it's a little bit of lack of education there, but also just, you know, that lack of awareness and health literacy as well. I think um, Pacific and Māori people are more likely to let things go and won't see anyone about it until it's life-threatening almost. So I think that's the most worrying thing is that 
it's not seen as preventative. It's more seen as you know, that they'll focus on the rehab side the, at the end when it's um, had the worst outcome possible. And, and that's a shame because we, our, our learning area in physical education is kind of underpinned by um, you know Maori well-being mm-hmm. and other Pacifica health models and health promotion models. Mm. Um, so it's a shame that we, you know, in education we draw so much from these models, but mm. yet the Maori and Pacifica people are still, um, we're still, I guess, struggling to get the right information or know what to do or get the help that they need so they can take some of this negative exactly. statistics and, and turn it into positive. Mm. Um, this year you you were co-tamuki of Te Rupu Tinana, mm-hmm. which is the Physical Education Māori Association. So the objective of that association was to encourage academic excellence of Māori physical education students, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What have you enjoyed most about that role? Yeah, I think uh, the two things I've enjoyed most about it has been my personal development. I started off as the first year rep, um, my first year down there, and then just slowly worked my way um, up the roles into the presidency role. Um, so seeing that I was, it was possible that you can go kind of from like the small fish and then just learning from everyone um, and then taking it to that next level. Cause it, um, so there's that, but also just I think the relationships that that was you know, that was something that I'd probably cherish forever is that I was learning the whole time and just the older students, but also the new people coming through. So there's that cycle of you coming in from the younger age and then getting older, but you're always being pushed from the people under you, but you're also learning from the people above you. Um, that was, I think that was the most rewarding thing and just knowing that you are there to help people you know whether they say it or not it's always nice to have that sort of support there for you and I think the most challenging thing for me definitely was that we were you know physical education Māori association and we were seen as we are only there for Māori people Mm. and when it came to events and whatnot because we did have like I guess you called them the mainstream executive and spends down there and you know, it was kind of seen that we would only do things for Māori students and then they'll cover everyone else. So where do Māori fit in it? Is this a binary thing? Can they not go to the mainstream things? And I think not. they wouldn't come to a lot of our events because of that fear of being singled out. Um, I think there's quite a bit of a stigma around having a, just a focus on Māori students um, because it looks like, oh, they're getting special treatment and... Yeah, that's. I think that was the biggest challenge for me is just to say that you know we aren't. I mean, we do. We have Māori in our title, but we just um, develop or we use, we implement a Māori way of thinking as opposed to being only for Māori students. That was the biggest challenge. Was trying to get that out of. There's just the massive challenge between. Um, uh, yeah, that's a just that challenge between the mainstream and So is that like, do you feel that that's a little bit of prejudice or even racism coming through? Like, what what do you you think the attitude there is all about? Just misunderstanding, maybe. That's exactly, yeah. I think it is just a misunderstanding where you feel like you have to go into one or the other, um, where it's not like that at all. We say in New Zealand that we are a multicultural society, so we should be able to accept both Mm. and be able to, um, you know, walk this world in both worlds Mm. Um, so I think that is what that is Um, but also being Māori and having non-Māori friends when you're trying to make friends you know especially in that first year 
if you are pulled away to something that's for from the Māori Association, you know, you don't want to make it look like you're getting extra from what everyone else is getting. I guess it's, mm-hmm. yeah. That's interesting. Mm. I, I'm quite interested in your experiences at secondary school because the majority of our listeners are secondary PE teachers, so mm. um, I'm positive they're keen to hear about what drove you to succeed as well. But right. the first thing I noticed <clears throat> about you at Wellington High School, and I think this was, I think I taught you in Year 10 and Year 13, mm-hmm. Um, was that you were such a role model for other Māori students. Um, what, what made you willing to embrace this role? Because I think um, at secondary school, I think it's really difficult to be a role model, a mm. positive role model, because there's so many um, influences and there's so many distractions and there's so many negative things that you can fall into. So what kind of drove you or, or made you embrace that role of being a role model? That role model? I think, yeah, so in terms of leadership and... What not? There's you know there's two ways you can think about it. There's being that dictator type or um, being that person who just kind of leads from behind. And I think that's where I always was. Like I didn't strive to be a leader, and I didn't um, want to be put out there. You know, so I think in terms of embracing it, it was that I was channeled. Um, people just uh, the, you know teachers and whatnot. They acknowledged that I was I did have those leadership qualities. Um, and then started putting me in those roles. But I think what made me embrace that most was that I am the older sibling in my family, and knowing that you know what I do will trickle down, and hopefully if they see what I'm doing, you know, just kind of being a role model for them, and then hearing that you know I did something because of you. That's it's a really rewarding feeling, um, and being put, I guess, a little bit, you know, people looking out for you is just. It gives you that sense of accountability, as opposed to giving you pressure to be able to, you know, be the best that you can be. Um, and I think that's what kind of, you know, it's difficult, yes, to find with all those distractions and whatnot. But if you are singled out earlier and you know that you have that sense of accountability, you know, you have responsibility to a lot of people. And I find that that's what kind of mitigates those distractions is that you know you are out there, but then it's finding that fine line between giving someone too much responsibility and then rebelling or them taking it on. So I guess in terms of embracing it would just be that, you know, I was I was given the freedom to be able to mm-hmm. be a role model the way that I wanted to be. Yeah. I, I like that word accountability that you use. And the one the one of the, the things that is still quite vivid in my mind is I think we were we were outside the pavilion, we had those bleachers, yeah. um, that one little bleacher, and it was sports sports science, or sports studies, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was trying to get the class under control, and uh, we were doing a warm-up or something, and um, and I, I was losing the class. <laughs> and you had turned and said to a group of boys, you're like, come on, what do you, this, isn't, this isn't how we roll, basically. Right. And they were like, instead of going, oh, I'm giving you shit about it, mm. they... Um, they just went, oh, sweet, okay, well, let's, Troy said we should do this, so we're going to listen. <laughs> right. And that just kind of blew my mind because um, up until that point in time, I probably hadn't seen um, a Māori or Pacifica student really um, take on that leadership within the classroom. Mm. Um, you, I was seeing a lot of leadership from a performance mm-hmm. point of view, um, being able to demonstrate performance, exceptional performance on the, on the sports field, but to... Um, to see somebody come in and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, 
do it from a, a point of view where they were trying to be responsible and accountable for the mm. actions of the entire class, not just yourself, was was awesome. And I kind of um, you hear every now and then that um, the I'm not sure if I've mentioned this earlier in another podcast around the differences between uh, Canterbury Rugby Union and Auckland Rugby Union, right. where um, Polynesian athletes are um, positions, rugby positions, where it's all about performance and they're not in the decision-making positions and it's all about those assumptions around um, Māori and Pacifica students that Mm. we try to avoid but they're still there. Um, So accountability and responsibility, um, those are two really important things to, to... to consider and just oh, just on that when you were talking about the um, like kind of the position stacking a little bit I think in terms of being a role model like now upon reflection I am so glad that this is a thing and that we are trying to channel more Māori and Pacific students um, as role models but within you know, uh, kind of overall positions as opposed to just on the sports field because that is a lot of our role models. Mm. A lot of the people that we see that we can kind of identify with as seeing similar backgrounds and whatnot, they are musicians and sports yep. stars. And I think we, we have so many people doing so well, uh, so many Māori, Pacific people doing well in academic settings. It's just that the light has never really shone on them. And I think that's why you, you know the people that you see most growing up and the people that you see that you can identify with, that is when you start being channeled. So, like, everyone, I just feel that we are all channeled the way that we are. Like, the experiences that we have are going to inform our decisions for the future. Um, So I think, yeah, definitely being a role model. I think if I was to go back and know what I know now in terms of being able to embrace it more, like, that's my only regret is I would have done, pushed it a bit more. But that's where I am now. Well, I, I think you pushed it pretty hard, mm. and um, you know, end of two thousand eleven, you were awarded the Welly High Peace Prize. Which, um, being a teacher at Wellington High School at the time, we we considered it to be pretty much the supreme award in the school. So, mm. um, how did it feel being awarded that, and, and why do you think you were recognised with that award? Just kind of leading on from yeah. you know your role modelling and leadership, right? Um, yeah, that, that was actually, it was quite unreal. And I just remember how Prue does it as well. She will say your name Perfect. and then, <laughs> then catch you up on the stage and actually just start rattling all these facts about you. And I, you know, I don't like I don't like to hear that sort of stuff and I don't like to be put up on the stage and everyone looking at you and then reading these things out. But I think the big thing that did come out from all of it was, you know, it was all the groups that I was involved with and all the people um, that, you know, she said, I had inspired and kind of the aspirations that a lot of people had um, of well, for me at the time. So it's kind of that, receiving that award I think was really testament to the relationships that I had uh, developed over my time at school because you know that award is not ducks and it's not the sports person of the year, it's kind of that overall role. So you know that was that being channeled as a role model for everything mm. um, in terms of in academia, kind of even drama and performance as well as um, on the sports field. But from that, it's, it is those relationships that kind of helped me you know, become that overall person. So the positives and negatives that I had gone through uh, before that kind of, and like learning to be able to modify my behaviour to be able to become you know, the overall or the best person overall that I could be. Um, and that comes from that holistic view of health, and that comes that that holistic way of being. Um, 
so I think that's you know testament. I think even if you look at the people who got it before me, you know, they were Maori and Pacific people, and that's because they have that you know that holistic view yeah. of the world, and we're not just focused on one particular aspect. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. Mm. We, we know from the data that Māori achievement rates are lower than the national average. Māori mm -hmm. students are leaving school earlier and have less qualifications than their non-Māori counterparts. Well, what do you think is one thing that a teacher could do right now mm -hmm. that could begin to help address this? Right. So, with this, I, the big, I think in the curriculum it is ako, right, mm. to teach and to learn. I think that is something that I don't know how it is now. You know, it's been a while since I've been out of high school, but... That was always something that I found, um, you know, it resonated with me, you know, tua kanatena. That's always been how I came into, um, you know, understanding my relationships with people, is that, sure, if I am the expert in one field, I can teach you stuff, but from how you react to that, I need to be able to modify what I do, so I'm learning from you. It's indirect, but it is that source of learning, and I think that's where... A teacher could maybe make a difference. I know people do it um, as well, but it's just making it explicit now that whatever your so every student is going to be different. You know that that's the kind of saying is that there is no one size fits all. Yep. Um, but when you are delivering something, if something is working for majority of the class, and then there's a group of people, and usually it is the Māori and Pacific people, it is not. You know, it's just not thinking what we were talking earlier about that deficit thinking. Um, and coming from a strengths-based approach. To, so kind of providing context for them as a student. I know there's a lot of times where you're sitting there thinking, when am I ever going to use this in the real world? And that's being able to uh, find something within their world, so maybe getting to know them, and that's that learning that you're going to get from them. And then that's being able to see, okay, for them, this is how this can be applied. And it sounds like it's extra work to do, but if you are a teacher, you are catering to everyone within that classroom. Everyone who sits down becomes your responsibility and but then at the same time I think the students need to understand that they have a responsibility to their teacher. Mm. Um, and I think this is going to come up from one of the later questions but the there is that relationship. Yeah. It's being able to establish that rapport yeah. with their students and then being able to see okay if there is um, if there is an issue with the student in, in that class you know look at your approach mm. you know a plus b doesn't always equal c there's something in the mix of the a or the b where there's a breakdown and i think that's what teachers can do and it's like it's you know I put, just reflect yep. on everything that's happening yep. and yeah i like the idea of providing context from um for a maori or pacifica student from mm. i guess from their culture uh, but i think it's it's a real challenge eh, because mm. Um, you know, we, <clears throat> we try to differentiate a lesson or a, a unit and provide context mm. and we try to meet the needs of um, every student in the class. Mm. But I guess from my personal experience, um, you, when you attempt to meet the needs of every student, mm -hmm. you let's say that I know very little about Māori or Pacifica culture, right. then I'm going to find it much harder to provide Definitely. good context. So then I might, by default, not choose to go there and right. I might try to provide other areas to differentiate but yeah. that's um, we need to get away from well we need to we need to put ourselves out there and, and, and take risk mm -hmm. 
I think that is taking risks to try to learn something that you might not be have a good understanding or be aware of and right. try to implement that. So oh, I think that's some really um, good advice and some really wise words from, from someone who um, is still fairly, fairly young <laughs> and uh, still kind of finding their way in the world. So mm. um, uh, that was a good answer. Um, uh, this kind of flows on, and you might have ad- addressed um, some of it already mm-hmm. in that last question, but thinking back to your time in the classroom and even now, in tertiary education, what sticks out for you in terms of good teaching? So what are some approaches, I guess, that teachers have taken that resonated well with you and made you want to be successful? Um, definitely just the teachers that made me feel feel like I mattered. Um, that was probably the biggest thing. And then, because once you start feeling like someone has respect for you, I don't know if this like goes for everyone, if this is a generalisation, but once you know you have someone's respect... It's it's really kind of that's your responsibility to them once again. So I think the people who actually took an interest in me um, and also just kind of validated the way that I thought and validated the way that I went about things, um, they were the ones that you know kind of promoted my thinking and kind of encouraged me to carry on uh, learning because I knew that I could do it in a way that suited me. Um, while fitting within uh, the guidelines of your academic, uh, your what's it? the guidelines of your you know your achievement standards and whatnot. Curriculum. Yeah, exactly. Um, and oh, I don't want to make you all blushy here, but you and Miss Johnson, Miss Johnson, you two. So that's probably why I'm in PE at the moment. Is that you two were the ones who did that for me, um, and also. Seeing, being able to identify with that teacher as well as, you know, you're quite a competitive person and you're one of those people who became a perfectionist. I think in my last year, I changed a lot of the way that I did things so that I could, you know, I wasn't just satisfied with just passing in anything. And it's just that I just keep pushing and pushing myself um, in all the different fields that I was in, actually. It's just kind of carrying that mentality for excellence. Um... So yeah, I think that's it's a it's a it is a process where you have to make that uh, establish that relationship first, because I think once if you miss that first step, everything else past that is yep. not really gonna yep. yeah. And and that's that's the the next question because at mm. the core of teaching, what underpins everything we do is relationships, and mm-hmm. you've you've been in the thick of it. Um, so I guess from your experience, how could a teacher best emphasise relationships mm-hmm. and fanangatanga with their students? Right. You know what's what's how can we encourage that? Yeah, so um, just with that, I think it's identifying uh, or acknowledging really that within everyone you can be of the same. So, say you had a class and everyone was the same, you know, ethnicity. Not everyone's going to have the same values though. Everyone's going to have a different worldview. Everyone's going to have a different background um, and identify differently with different things and interpret the world in different ways. So, I think. With that, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is just being able to find kind of like a negotiation space between you and your values. So if there was like a Venn diagram, it would be you, and then within that is your identity, uh, your background, just everything that makes you you, um, and then, you know, the person that you're dealing with, and all of them the same. So there will be a crossover where that's what you can negotiate. That's where, um, okay, these things of me, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't like to use the word compromise, but that's just that, you know, finding that middle ground. And I think that's the difficult thing with classrooms, though, is that 
you know, that's just you and one other person, but you usually have up to, what, 15 to max of around 30 mm. to be able to do that with. 33 but sometimes. 33 sometimes, <laughs> yeah, see, exactly, and that's another three that mm. you have to do that with. But, mm. you know, that's the thing is you are, you're spending a year with these people, and I think just getting in early and showing that you are open-minded and showing that, you know, you can kind of validate someone's thinking and when they come into that classroom, they know that they are stepping into a safe environment to be able to not only learn the content, but I think a lot of it is self-discovery as well and that them growing and them being able to, um, you know, explore a little bit about how they go about things. I'd say that's probably why... I am the way that I am, you know, I was able to explore a lot of who I was and you're probably going to quite a, you know, Wellington High, quite yeah. a school that does let, they accept diversity and all that sort of stuff, so you know, I kind of dressed like everyone else, but in terms of how my mind could go about things, that that's that relationship there is that I was, you know, given that space to be able to do that. Mm. Mm. And this is, this is a little bit... Um, bit of a, a sidetrack but yeah, you, you mentioned um, that self-discovery and mm. uh, one thing I've been wanting to try for years but just the, the situation or the context hasn't allowed for it but um, next year I've got a small level three class mm. um, and what I'm intending to do at this point in time is um, have one period a week um, that I'm not going to link to any achievement standard, mm. I'm not going to provide any content and it's just going to be um, self-guided learning, discovery, right. passion projects. Um, they can link it to their scholarship report if they want to, but mm. um, I, I just want people to learn about something they're passionate about right. and just explore the world because mm. um, we get so burdened down by assessment and we dictate so much of what um, our students need to learn mm. or what we think they should learn when, you know, our curriculum is only a very small, small, small fraction of what we think our students should learn and there's so much more interesting and fun Definitely. things to be learning um, mm. so I'm going to try to do that yeah. I don't know how it will work or whether I hope I'll get buy-in but whether it's manageable with how many credits we need to give but um, I, I think you're right you know being able to discover how you learn or what you want to learn and, mm. and things like that is, is cool but you know those relationships um, are really important and Definitely. I think you, you touched on some really good points you had a Facebook post recently right. um, that put you in front of an Otago union building with a colleague of yours in a statement, one step closer to taking our place in the world. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Um, so what does your place in the world or your vision of your place in the world look like at this point in time and what's the next, or what's going to be the next step of your journey? Yeah, so that was, I got that photo when I just had my honours dissertation printed. So at that time I was feeling oh, like on top of the world but then when we asked what my world was, that's, I think it's my place in the world at any point in time would be a place where I know that I can, you know, affect change. Um, whether that just be in the way that someone goes about how they, like their day, or being able to actually, you know, save someone's life um, by implementing, you know, that exercise program and all that sort of stuff. So I think my, yeah, so my place in the world would just be creating environments for people to be able to, you know, kind of flourish. Um, and I think that's testament to what happened to me growing up is that was recognised that I had potential and that, you know, that flame, well, that spark kind of turned into a flame and I think um, that's what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to find, 
you know, that spark within different people and then that's providing the context and then providing that environment to allow it to turn into a flame. So that's, you know, that's, I don't mind where I do that. I don't mind who I do that with. It's just, I, you know, seeing people flourish, I think, is the, that's kind of the most rewarding thing to me. Whether you get money from it or not, it's, it's all right because mm-hmm. they, you have helped one other person and then, you know, if that sparks something within them, they could help another person and it just, you know, keeps going on that cyclic effect. And I think from here, where I want to go with that is just being able to, I guess that's the sad thing is that you have to apply theory to everything and you have maybe have to have like a couple of letters by your name to be, you know, kind of seen as an authentic figure uh, to be able to do that <coughs> sort of, of thing. Authority exactly, yeah. Um, to be able to do that sort of thing. So my journey is to be able to... Um, you know, be in a position where I am seen as, you know, someone that you'd like to listen to. But also in that time, being able to just discover more and more about how we can create those environments. Um, and, you know, I have no idea on how to do that just yet, but that's what I say. It's, it's a discovery process. Mm, and, mm. I think, um, you know, that's the best thing about um, my job is we, we do see... Um, we do see students kind of lighting their flames mm. and um, you know having those light bulb moments and seeing students change from when they come into our care at Year Nine and seeing how they end up at Year Thirteen and, mm. and like now seeing where you're at. Um, Two thousand eleven, five years on, you know. Um, so that is one of the coolest things. And I think you would have made um, a fantastic teacher. I know you originally you thought that maybe that was something you were going to do, but I mm. think you've slightly moved away from that path, which is a good thing because um, I think you could achieve so much more um, than being a teacher. Right. Although, you know, teaching well, is good. It could be one of my careers. I'm not too sure. You never Come know. back to it later, yeah. You never know. Um, a final question here. Mm-hmm. I didn't put this one on the, no, on that's the fine. question. It's just a bit, a bit of a, um, a, a more informal one but mm-hmm. um, when are you going to quit slacking and, and get on the stage to compete because yeah, it's um, you've been lifting heavy for a while now <laughs> and you've got the physique so what's going on? Oh I don't know just have to find a time where it works with my schedule and my studies and whatnot. Um, just be able to sleep properly and oh I don't know that's not even an excuse <laughs> <laughs> next couple of years maybe. You should give it a go like yeah, yeah. in the the um the motivation and the mm. discipline that you need um, to do something like that, because I've, I've you know, I've only done the one competition, Definitely. but it, um, man, it really um, you can transfer a lot of that skill into other aspects oh, of your life. So you should, yeah. I think you should definitely do it, and I, yep. I can't wait to see. But hey, um, I, you know, I, at the start of the podcast, I said um, a couple of things, and one of those things about really wanting to sit down with you and just hear um, a little bit more about what makes you tick, and mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't saying that just to make a point that was something that I, I said it to a few teachers at that point in time um, that one day I, I really wanted to do this and I think um, some of the answers you've provided throughout have been um, really good and right. are much richer than I thought they might have been cool. um, and I'm, I'm really thankful um, that you were able to come and have a chat and mm. just pass on some of your, your wisdom and your knowledge um, you you know you advocate for for Māori and Pacifica peoples really really well and you're doing some some great work um, and I just want to encourage you to keep keep doing that because we need more people like you who want to see um, who want to see people succeed who want to see people have those light bulb moments mm. and, and light their light their candles and and um, 
and see success. So big ups to you. Right, thank um, you. Keep it up. And yeah. man, I'm jealous that you're off to the <laughs> Yeah. And just, today. just on that, you know, thanks for having me. And I just, you know, I jumped at the opportunity when you did ask me to be able to do this is because, you know, like I said, the role models that are out there are only, you know, pictured on sporting excellence, music excellence, uh, musical, all those sorts of talents and kind of away from the classroom and, you know, just... It was it was nice being acknowledged as someone that you'd like to talk to, but also you know if this does give um, some sort of guidance to anyone out there, you know that's like I said that's what I'm about and just being able to um, provide anything that I can where I can and yeah so thank you so much for yeah, having me no, and I'll make sure I put your um, your contact details maybe an email or something in Definitely. the show notes and people can get in touch if they have any more questions. Alrighty, All right. cheers, Troy. Cool, thanks. Mm-hmm.